everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Marlin's Corner, the Spark Notes podcast that gives you uh, 15 minutes of a movie review. So maybe you don't have to watch it, but you can still talk to your friends about it. And today we're going to talk about Pinocchio, as well as Disney's obsession with nostalgia. Let's go ahead and dive right on in. So for those of you who do not know, Disney is really, of course, in their nostalgia bag and has been doing so for quite some time now and they have decided that it's now time to do uh, or redo uh, a 1940s uh, classic straight from the vault Pinocchio. Now, Pinocchio, of course, is about a little wooden boy who has a conscience, who's a cricket, and the boy must prove himself worthy to become a real boy. And I came out in 1940, so Disney has been doing a lot of their rebooting, a lot of their reskinning, a lot of these Disney classics straight from the vault, and Pinocchio was next up, and they went straight to streaming this, and um, honestly, we can see why. What's important to note about the 1940s Pinocchio is that it is an hour and 28 minutes and the 2022 Pinocchio is an hour and 45 minutes, which should give you an understanding that not much has changed with this film, only about, you know, 18 or so minutes difference there. And this film, of course, is slapping a fresh coat of live action paint on the property and doing so with a lot of really awesome and interesting actors. I mean, you even have Robert Zemeckis as directing this uh, 2022 Pinocchio film. And you have the likes of Tom Hanks, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Cynthia Erivo, Sheila Atim, Keegan-Michael Key, and Luke Evans, just to name a few individuals who are helming this reboot. So it isn't like they're they're just dropping off, you know, some regular folks are bringing in the heavy hitters, folks who we know are going to deliver a great performance, and they do just that. They deliver a very endearing performance, and you got to give them credit where credit's due for showing up and giving the best versions of themselves for this film, and they definitely shine in their own rights. You know, Tom Hanks, America's dad, does a great job as Geppetto, Cynthia Erivo, Beautiful job as the Blue Fairy. Keegan-Michael Key as Honest John kills it. Um, if you want someone to deliver that over-the-top cartoonish comedy, Keegan-Michael Key is your guy. And if you want a really over-the-top villain that has vocals, well, you go with Luke Evans because he absolutely delivered. But for the most part, this film doesn't really deliver anything new. And that's where I think a lot of folks are, you know, lampooning these live-action remakes for. You know, Disney has has been doing these remakes for about what, 19 or 20 films now. And we can honestly all blame Alice in Wonderland. You know, this is a film that yielded $1 billion at the box office. And it showed Disney, hey, you could keep doing these. You know, these are bringing in money. And so they just been cranking these out. And it doesn't matter if, you know, there's a dud here or there. There are a lot more out there that are, you know, getting certified fresh results that are bringing in money. And so they're going to keep doing it, despite the fact that, hey, so far, Pinocchio is landing as one of their worst films, but they're going to keep churning these out because of nostalgia. Now, we all have nostalgia. I have nostalgia. I was born, you know, in the, in the 90s. So whenever I see something from the 90s, I'm like, yo, the good days, the the olden days. You know, when I see a, when I see a Hey Arnold hoodie in the store, I'm like, I got to get that because one, dope hoodie, and two, Hey Arnold was an amazing TV show. And nostalgia is a tool that is definitely 
has been honed for a while now and it's been honed to a point where that's a good chunk of Disney's films are nostalgia bait. You know, like, hey, let's do another Toy Story movie. Let's do another Toy Story spinoff. Let's milk Toy Story for all it's worth because millennials have money and they also have kids now. So we can, you know, two birds, one stone. And what's interesting about nostalgia is that it definitely has you view the past with, you know, these rose-colored lenses. You know, when I think of the 90s, I think of all the fun things I ate the activities, Disneyland, TV shows, Whip It, all all kind of fun little activities that I did in the 90s. But I don't think about the fact that in the 90s and like in the geopolitical landscape of the world, there was a lot of shit going down that was really terrible that was happening. But hey, my focus is on the fun things, the things I like. And that's where a lot of these films are pulling from. And nostalgia itself is very interesting. And there's this really awesome article in Psychology Today by uh, Neil Burton, who basically describes nostalgia and says that, you know, it can be argued that nostalgia is a form of self-deception that distorts and idealizes is the past and it's you know it glazes over the boring bits and the bad memories and it leaves only peak experiences experiences that hey like this is awesome you know this is this point in the past is what i'm going to remember the most and you know overindulging nostalgia could result in this uh perception of a world that never existed and never can exist and you know pursuing this you know idealized nostalgic past could actually result in sapping the joy uh, and life that the that the present has the potential for. And I think that's what we're seeing in these films is that they are sapping away what we remember. I think the stall is working in the opposite for these films is that yes, they're meant to remind you of a happier time, but when they show up and they're just cash grabs, they more or less sap away from what we are enjoying about this nostalgic moment. It's like, oh, I thought I was gonna have this real awesome moment of like being washed over nostalgia, but instead I watched Pinocchio and I'm like, oh, this is actually not what I thought it was going to be. This actually kind of is an underperforming film and underwhelmed. And that's what we get with Pinocchio. It's a film that thus far, you know, is sitting at a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 30%, um, you know, from the audience. So even the audience isn't really coming to to back this film as it's a reminder of like, hey, you know, not every remake is going to be great. And this is just a reminder of like, hey, nostalgia got you here and it was for nothing. But let's just talk about the film. I mean, n- nostalgia is one thing and we can go all day about how nostalgia uh, definitely sap the joy from current products, but let's talk about the film in general, just so you have an idea of what it is you're walking into or what you can talk to people about. So now Pinocchio 2022 is basically a shot for shot remake of the original. There really isn't anything uh, new or anything that's brought to the table that shakes up this story to make it new, to make it interesting uh, waypoint for new people. It just is a shot for shot remake um, with newer people. And there's a couple of tweaks here and there. You know, this time around, uh, the Blue Fairy is the one that sings When You Wish Upon a Star and not Jiminy Cricket, which, I mean, it makes sense. You have Cynthia Erivo, you're going to have her sing something. So why not be the titular song that's from Pinocchio, even though just some Gordon-Levitt also has a wonderful singing voice. But hey, we understand. And we, of course, get our same characters, Honest John, Stromboli, uh, the Coachman. Uh, so there really isn't anything new there. I think the only new thing happens to be, I think, uh, just the ways in which characters chew up the scenery as a way to stretch, you know, 
an additional 20 minutes in this film. As far as new things go with this film, I will say they decided to go in a direction that I hadn't predicted for this particular project. Uh, they decided that, you know what, the original film was G, let's throw some PG in this, and that PG happens to be just the sheer scare factor that winds up in Pinocchio. And I know you're wondering, scare factor, it's a Pinocchio film, huh? Hey, yes, there's a scare factor to this film that I don't think that uh, you would know going into it, you know? Like, we get it. You know, we know that in the original 1940s Pinocchio, there's that really horrific scene where the young boy, Lampwick, turns into a donkey. You know, we see that scene where his ears, you know, blimp out and he gets bigger and a shadow cascades over Pinocchio's body as he's just transforming into this human-donkey hybrid. Uh, and this time we get to see that in live action. We get to watch a young boy uh, go through the horrific changes, almost like a werewolf, into a donkey. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. They decide to really lean into this scene and kind of this is the one part where the movie definitely stretches this entire Pleasure Island scene even longer where uh, now when all these young children turn into donkeys you now have uh, these smoke demons who have uh, who look like little mini balrogs you know they are they're covered in smoke and they have like ember coal eyes and they're just grabbing up these like donkey kids and just tearing their clothes off of them and throwing them into like carts and stuff. It's very dramatic. And then we find out, you know, that the coachman played by Luke Evans uh, has control over these Balrog smoke demons and is just like tearing after Pinocchio. Luke Evans, by the way, I will say is my favorite part of uh, this entire film. Luke Evans delivers the over-the-top villain that you're looking for. Luke Evans is the classic great actor and a lackluster film that is going to deliver a tan performance despite everything he's gonna deliver uh his performance as high octane as he can and this man is the silliest villain i've ever seen uh, he has a song on pleasure island where not once but twice he uh stops a song like automaton character and like slowly like just slides down into the into the roller coaster it reminds me of a saturday Night live sketch where uh justin timberlake is playing a character like that and just kind of freezes and pretends to be uh, a little robot that's luke evans he's just being evil but also like pretending to be silly and a little like robot he'll like slide into the darkness it's hilarious but that is the only um, interestingly scary part. We also fast forward to Monstro, who in the original film, uh, you know, is a giant evil whale, which, hey, you know, interesting enough. It's, it's a very Job-esque reference. But we know Monstro as a giant whale who just swallows uh, Geppetto Pinocchio and then, he, you know, spits him out. This time around, they decide to give Monstro a uh, HP Lovecraft makeover and give him Cthulhu tentacles. Uh, <laughs> and at some point when he pops up, he like pops up full mouth tentacles whipping and grabbing things. And I had to ask myself, why is he a Cthulhu monster? He was already a scary whale. And now he's this giant tentacled whale. Uh, it's just there to scare children, I guess. Uh, and there's this really high octane chase scene with Pinocchio trying to get away with Geppetto and this like really monstrous tentacled whale uh, is trying to grab after him. And of course they get away, you know, and they have a really, you know, open ending, like, did he become a real boy? We don't know. That's a story for another day. And it's like, cool. You added some cool touches here, but it's basically shot for shot the same. And you expect a company with this much money to kind of add something new to the story, especially since we know that there is another 
Pinocchio story coming out. And that's Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And I think this might end up being a much better film. This is coming out in, in, uh, in December on Netflix, and it's described as a darker version of the classic children's fairy tale of a wooden boy that transforms that transforms into a living boy. Just off rip, this is telling you, hey, you already know the story, we're bringing you something different. And I think that's what Disney would hope to do, but they seem to be a bit more cautious of changing the source material up too much. And Guillermo del Toro is going all in for it and bringing us an entirely new story with new characters. I mean, I love that Ian McGregor is uh, playing the cricket, but he's playing Sebastian J. Cricket. You also have a character named Candlewick, a wood sprite character. You have Black Rabbits. You have Count... Velope, you have Spazzatura, and you have Podesta. You have a, a lot of these characters who we haven't seen in the Disney source material yet, who Guillermo del Toro is introducing to this film, and he's doing something new with the property, and it's almost two hours long. So he's going to take us into a longer Pinocchio film where he's going to elaborate further on this story and give us something new to this IP. And quite honestly, that's what I think a lot of people would like to see from Disney. Like, hey, like, we've seen all these, you know, films before. Some of us have them on VHS, some of us have them on DVD, but we know what these films look like. What are you going to do differently that's going to pull us into this? And we can kind of see, though, you know, the way they're leaning. You know, we see with the Little Mermaid, they're going with, like, hey, we have a black aerial. I'm like, cool. That's dope. She is an awesome singer. Like, Hallie's fantastic. I'm hoping the story is gonna at least be somewhat updated, at least be somewhat new and engaging to bring us in, you know, and doing it with music is just, you know, just the icing on the cake. Like, I, I would love them to do something new with the music. That'd be fantastic. That'd be a great way to kind of like up their game. Um, but depending on what Guillermo del Toro does with Pinocchio, uh, this could potentially maybe kick Disney in the butt in the right direction, which I'm hoping for because they have a lot more films to go through and uh, they have a lot more folks to disappoint. So let's see what they do. But that's my time, folks. Thank you for joining me. Uh, this is the second time I recorded this. Uh, technology is hard and I hate it, but here's to uh, technology working for us in uh, the future. Uh, we'll see you next time back here in the corner on Marlin's Corner. Have a great day, a great weekend. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. This episode of Marlin's Corner was produced in Richmond, California.